Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. Let's just, let's just proclaim a sound mind over our families. Let's proclaim a sound mind over our own minds. Come on, maybe even just put your hand on your head and just say, Lord, sound mind. Sound mind for the spirit of fear. This generation needs a spirit that is a sound mind, a spirit of love. We proclaim that over this generation. We proclaim sound mind over this house today, Lord. Over our own lives, over our families. A sound mind. A sound mind. Thank you for a sound mind, Jesus. Thank you for peace, Jesus. Freedom over fear. We thank you, Jesus, that you are chain breaker, that you are deliverer. Come on, just with every, everything you got this morning, just give him a shout of praise. Just tell him how thankful you are. We're so thankful, Jesus. We're so thankful for the gift that you give, a sound mind, freedom from fear. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just lift your own song to the Lord today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, we love you so much in this place. We thank you for the free gift of salvation paid for us through your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you that sin has no place in our lives. We thank you that darkness must flee and the peace and the presence of your Holy Spirit is here, breaking chains in this room. If you're watching online, he's where you are. And he's the same miracle working God right where you are as he is in this place. We thank you, Jesus, that you're helping us see clearly. We thank you, Jesus, that our hearts are opening to you today. And we pray that your word, which is life, your word that is life to us, has an open door. If your heart's an open door, just tell the Lord this morning. You can have it all. Come and speak. Come and change me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all can be seated. While you're, while you're sitting down, I'll just say this. There is nothing like the presence of the Lord. And that is, um, his presence is a reality that we can experience every single day of our lives. Amen? 
not just at church on Sunday, but I'm thankful that we get to do this together. How about you? I'm just really thankful for the body of Christ. Really thankful. If you haven't noticed, our brother is back from deployment today. I mean, didn't even change his clothes before coming to church. Welcome back, Chuck. We love you. That was a surprise this morning, by the way. So good to have you back. Food pantry has already been mentioned this morning, but man, 165 families served. I just, I got to just talk about that again. That translates to 437 individual people that got fed, that got loved on, and, uh, and found some hope. I, I love the outreach, um, what the Lord's allowing us to do here at the dwelling. It's really, really cool. So thank you for serving at Food Pantry, those, that you, those of you that do, and um, thank you for those who give. This is what we're doing with the resources God's given us as a, as a spiritual family. It's just his love on our community. And so I'm, I'm just really excited about that. And then I'm just going to repeat this this morning. You've heard this, but Angel Tree is one of the ways that we love on our community. There's a Christmas tree, the only Christmas tree in the building until next week, okay? It's right out there, not hard to find. There's little angels on it. There'll be members of our outreach team there to help assign you uh, an angel, and you get to pick that. But uh, we ask that you bring those gifts back before December the 10th and bring your angel back with them, unwrapped gifts, okay? And then on uh, 16th and the 17th, um, we'll be wrapping those gifts. So there's an opportunity to serve too, is to help wrap, wrap Christmas presents. We all, some of y'all are really good at it. <clears throat> we were watching Elf yesterday, six foot, what is it, or six inch? Yes. Got some super fans up here, apparently. How many love Christmas? We put our, we, we're, uh, we're, the, we're, the, we're the chosen ones. We're the real Christians. We wait till after Thanksgiving to put our Christmas decorations up. I would just honor the Lord Jesus in his, in his holiday. No, I don't know. I'm just kidding. But, uh, but man, I, 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 I hate I couldn't be with you last week. I was sick with the flu. Everybody say boo. That's bad stuff. That's really bad stuff. So I'm better. You can't take me out. All right. So um, before I jump in today, this will be the last uh, message in this series called Confessions, What We Believe and Why It Matters. Uh, the, the goal was last week to preach on heaven and hell, and then this week was supposed to be the end times. So what we're going to do is just chop the end times off. I'm going to preach on heaven and, and hell today because... I really feel like December, this series that we're coming into, is called uh, Deserts and Valleys, Navigating Difficult Seasons. And I know that Christmas, the whole holidays, um, I mean, we say have a holly jolly Christmas, but for all of us, it's not a holly jolly Christmas, all right? And so we're just going to get real this Christmas and talk about some of the, the hardships that we go through. And the fact that at Christmas time, more than any other time, 
we're reminded that we have hope even in our bad circumstances. And so that's what we're going to look at um, for the month of December. But, um, but I do want to close out this series today with um, heaven and hell. We've been exploring some questions together based on the, the old creed called the Apostles' Creed, just going point by point through that uh, topically. And we've answered some questions or explored some questions together like who is God, who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, what is the church, what's the big deal about the resurrection, why is that important, and then what about the judgment? And um, if, if you haven't heard the message about judgment, it's going to give context for today's message about heaven and hell, okay? And so um, I love this series because um, it kind of boxes us in from, uh, from, from avoiding difficult topics. And I don't know if you've read the Bible lately, but there's a lot of uncomfortable things in the Bible, and if we're not careful, we can actually insulate ourselves from truth because TikTok becomes our theologian or our theology source. Not everything on TikTok's bad, but I'm telling you, like a whole generation is receiving their theology and what the Bible says by secondhand information. And, and we've got to get back to the primary truths of Scripture, even if they're uncomfortable. And so I want to talk about this today, and I want you to know where I'm coming from. And I think most of you know me. You know my heart pretty well. Um, for those that don't, I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher. I think sometimes in our effort to maintain truth and to, to, to lift up the Word of God and, and all of its truth, sometimes we lack the compassion when we do that. And we, we have no compassion or love for the people that, we, we, you know, we can talk about hell and scream and shout and stomp about it with no compassion for the people that are going there. And I'm, I'm saying, like, that's not where I'm coming from this morning. But I'm also not on the other side where I'm going to apologize for the Bible. I think sometimes we just want to be so, um, yeah. Fill in that blank. I don't know. That we smooth over things that Jesus actually did not smooth over at all. Uh, there are a lot of things Jesus says where I'm be like, ugh, that's intense. And a lot of this that we're going to talk about this morning, just, just a heads up. I mean, you knew what you're getting into if you knew what I was preaching on today. But it's intense stuff. But, but I want you to get the heart of God. I feel like it's just su such the Father's heart this morning of how he demonstrated his love for us in worship because he wants us to get that first. He wants us to understand his heart before we even talk about what we're saying today. But um, I, how about I start with the bad news and end with the good news? Is that good? So I, we said heaven and hell, but about how like heaven and he I mean hell and heaven is how the order we're going in. A lot of scripture today, um, there are references to Sheol and death and all of, that, all of that stuff in the Old Testament, but a more accurate, a more um, vivid picture is the picture in the New Testament that Jesus gives of a place called hell. And the way he illustrates this is this place called Gehenna. 
And if you go to Jerusalem, there's a valley right outside the city walls, and it was the Valley of Hinnom. And there's a lot of history around that. A lot of false uh, idol worship happened there. But in the time of Jesus, under Roman rule, that valley of Hinnom was the garbage dump for the city. And so they would take dead animals, they would take uh, refuse, all the trash, and they would burn it outside the city. That was their sanitation uh, the way that they kept things clean around there. And there was, a, so imagine in your mind, there's this valley and it's just full of trash and it's co constantly burning. And if you're anywhere near there, you, do, you just smell the stench of that. And um, I can't imagine that, honestly. But it was in that context that Jesus talks about hell. He actually used that as a, as a visual, if you will, uh, 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 something that our senses, the people that he was talking to, they were very aware of that. And in fact, while he was talking, there might have even been, I smell that, the smoke rising off of that. I, I've been over there, and it's not pretty. And Jesus was, was painting a picture for us. Much of uh, what Jesus talks about hell was parabolic in nature. It was stories to illustrate a point, okay? Now, we, we look at parables, and I've heard people talk about this, um, and they say, well, we can't make a theology out of a parable. But Jesus, I get what you're saying, but, but Jesus chose to use parabolic language. I mean, why else would he have chosen that language? if it's not something similar to what the people were familiar with. And I'll just go ahead and read some of these. In Matthew 13, uh, verse 50, he's uh, talking about a blazing furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And again, this was the, one of the parables that he told. But in Mark 9, 43, he's, he's talking about sin and just, you know, it matters how we live. And he says, if your hand causes you to stumble, man, Chop it off because it's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands in hell where the fire no, never goes out. Just the severity of like, listen, it matters how you live your life. And this is what he was saying. So it, it's a place of darkness. Matthew 22, verse 13, and Jude chapter 1, verse 13, and then 2 Peter 2, 17. There are people, it says, they're springs without water, they're mist driven by a storm, and blackest darkness is reserved for them. He, he, he's just saying, look, there is a, going back to my judgment message, there, for justice to be rendered fully, there must be hell. I, I said in my message, judgment is a good thing. Because every wrong will be made right. Every injustice that has ever come upon humanity will be finally dealt with. And how do you do that without a verdict? How do you do that without a sentence? And, and listen, this is the bad news, right? That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us, in our, it, the, the scripture says that we've all gone our own way. And see, that's the point, is that if we go our own way, we can't go his way. And his way is life and joy and peace 
in eternal presence, goodness of God. If we don't choose to go his way, it's all the opposite. And so I want you to get this. This is not something God is throwing at you. This is something you and I choose for ourselves. The goodness and the mercy and the grace of God is extended to us. And we have a choice today. We have a choice. Hell is a place of separation, Luke 16, 26. And then Matthew 25, 41. He will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Just pause right there. How you know, you, you know hell's not made for you. Hell is a place where rebellion is dealt with. The rebellious ones are sentenced there. Are you a rebellious one or have you come under the umbrella of Jesus' authority, the King of kings and Lord of lords? This is the most important question that you could ever answer. Revelation 20 verse 14 says, Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And I've got so many scriptures. I'm just kind of skipping through. I told Josiah, Leaf's got 40 or 50. Don't put any of them up because I couldn't pick one. But hell is definitely a place to be avoided. And listen, I, I wish there's, there's, this, there's this belief system called universalism. And man, I, I really wish I could be that. I really wish I could say, you know, when it's said and done, everybody's going to end up in heaven. And, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. I wish I could say that. But if I said that, I would have to delete most of the Bible. I think to stick with a, with a biblical framework for our lives and then our afterlife, we cannot avoid this topic. It is a reality. But you know what else is a reality? Heaven. I've never had anybody ask me in all my years of ministry, is heaven a literal place? <laughs> but you get the questions about hell, right? I mean, like, is it literal? Are we really, like, is it a real thing? Is how, you know, how can that be? And it's because it's hard to deal with, right? It's hard to reconcile. It's hard to think about. I don't want to think about that. It's hard to preach about. But we can't avoid it because it's a reality. But the, the good news is heaven is even more a real, a real place um, than what we're experiencing right now. So what does the Bible say about heaven? I want us to do this. I want us to expand the way we think. Because I think traditionally we've, we've thought about this, where we live our life and then when we die, we either go to heaven or hell. And that's like, it's a destination point, right? And it's like uh, two roads going either way and you get to choose. Yeah, I get that. And that is true. But I want us to expand the way we think about this as in Jesus talked about heaven and hell a bunch. Um, when he talked about heaven, uh, some of the things he says 
sounds a lot like a future destination. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. There in my father's house, there are many rooms. Uh, if it were not true, I would have told you. I'm going there to, I'm going to come get you and take you there. And it's a, it sounds like somewhere off that we're going when we die, right? And it is. But Jesus also refers to heaven as the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, which are interchangeable terms, by the way. It's the same thing. And he says, the kingdom of God is among you. It's in your midst. Uh, John the baptizer and Jesus, the way that they first started preaching, the very words that they said, they said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is close to you. It is not out of reach. So there's this both and tension of this, right? Where heaven is a place that seems so distant and so, so far off and we really can't wrap our minds around it and we're gonna go there one day if we're in Christ. But there's also a reality that heaven is here and it's present. There's another scripture that's coming to mind right now where I can't remember where that is, but it says those that tasted of what's to come, have, have chosen out, basically, is what, what he was saying. But there's a, there's a reality that there is something coming. Heaven is coming. You know, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that there's going to be this final culmination of the goodness of God and everything, everything holy and everything perfect and everything just a reality of his presence that is not here yet, but it is coming, but it is here. Okay? Here and not yet is, is a good way to put that. So I want us to think about heaven that way. Heaven is a place of God's perfect rule and reign. And his rule and his reign is a reign of goodness. It's a reign of mercy. It is a reign of peace. And heaven, the place, if we want to think about that way, is full of that. And so we can experience a taste of that now, but we know that a fuller expression of that is coming, right? So let's talk about this a little bit. John 14, 2, in my father's house are many rooms. I've already said that. Let's see, Revelation 21, 3 I heard a loud voice. John is having this vision, and he says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Heaven is our home. Heaven is home. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know, even just like in worship, just a taste of home this morning. It's like, God, you're so safe. Like you're just, even with Dane's prayer before, just setting the tone for the day. It's like, oh yeah, you're here. Like, I don't want to be anywhere else but in your presence. And, and the fact that we can have a taste of that where it's so real on this earth. Can you imagine what heaven is going to be like? Where there's no boundary. There's no, there's no walls up. There's nothing. There's no shame and we are fully known and we fully know him. Incredible. Heaven is a place of beauty. 
John doesn't know how you describe this. He's using metaphors and all of this stuff of streets of gold and seas of glass and all this. There's just indescribable beauty in this city called heaven, Revelation 21. And then Revelation 21, verse 4, he will wipe. This is really good news, guys. He will wipe every tear. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no mourning. There will be no suffering. There will be an end to every bad thing that you've ever thought about or has happened to you. There will be no more of it. Sin will be finally dealt with. Evil will be finally dealt with. Suffering is finally dealt with. And what is left is goodness. And Jesus himself is the light of that city. In him there is no darkness. And we get to live in that. We get to know him like that. Heaven is a place of reward. Again, in this parable, Jesus tells in Matthew 25, it says, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. 1 Peter 1.4 says that we have an inheritance that is imperishable, it is undefiled, it is unfading, and it's kept for us in heaven. Guys, y'all know what's waiting for you? We talk a lot about what we have now. And I don't think we have a clue about the inheritance that we have right now. But do you have a clue what's coming for you? Like it's, there are no words. It is, un, it is indescribable. It is imperishable. It is undefiled. There is no darkness in it. There's no imperfection in it. It is unfading. It just gets better and better. And that's what we're going to enter into one day if we're in Christ. And it's not momentary. It's not transitional. It's not temporary. It is eternal it is eternal and this is good news second corinthians 4 17 for this light momentary affliction somebody needs to hear that today you're going through hell right now and it feels a little more than a light momentary affliction but it's light and it's temporary and what is coming cannot be compared the weight of glory beyond all comparison. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life that starts now and never ends. So how do you get there? How do we, how do we enter in? It's not, it's not a door that we enter in when we take our last breath. It's a door we enter in now when we believe. Expand our idea of heaven. Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the door. Just come in. Some of you just need to come in the gate. Some of you have, have done the church thing. And you still lay awake at night and think, where am I going to spend eternity? And you don't know. It's because you've probably never gone in the gate. Because it's not about what you do. 
It's not about what you don't do or do. It's about what's been done for you on the cross. And it's about receiving a free gift and just coming in the gate. He says, I'm the good shepherd. Just be like a sheep and just come in the gate that I've opened for you. It's as simple as that. Walking through the door that he's opened for us. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except, or comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12, there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If you confess with your mouth, Romans 10 says, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved Let's think about this in context. Saved from what? If there is no judgment, what are we saved from? There is a judgment. And there is a destination for those who have not come through the gate. Jesus said, I'm the way. If you're wondering how to be with me, I'm the way. If you're wondering what the truth is, if... If you've been jaded by the church, if you've gotten your theology secondhand, I am the truth. I am the embodiment of everything that is right and true. And if you're feeling like you don't know what's happening after this life and you don't feel like your purpose, your life has any purpose right now, then come to me because I am the life. I am the life. And it's not our works. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is a gift. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it's not going to be a conversation about what we did to get in. It's going to be a conversation about, do you know the right man? Do you know the one who opened the gate for you? Do you know the one who carried your sin on his shoulders and paid the full payment for your sin? Do you know him? And does he know you? Heaven is a place of joy and celebration. Luke 15, 10 says, Heaven rejoices over one who comes home. I believe there's somebody this morning who needs, needs to come home. And when you do heaven... Heaven will rejoice. Heaven is on the edge of their seat as you're hearing the good news of the gospel today and your heart is beating within your chest and you know what you need to do and heaven is waiting to rejoice when you come home. And you don't have to wait till you die to enter into his kingdom. You can enter right now. Our citizenship is in heaven. We'll have a, come on, some, this is good news for some of y'all. We're gonna have a new body. You won't need that hip replacement. I mean, no, we'll have a sound mind. We'll be made new. Heaven's full of worship. Heaven, the, the Bible says that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. The reality that we've only tasted of in this life will merge with the full reality to become something altogether new and we will live in that if we know Christ.
So something I want you to grasp today as I close, that the realities of heaven and hell are very much tied to right now. Maybe get out of the box of thinking when you die where you go. Think, what am I living in right now? Am I living in heaven? You get, where I'm, you get what I'm saying? Am I living? Is my citizenship in heaven? You know who Louis Armstrong is? I can sound a lot like him, but I won't do it because my throat this morning. But you know these words. I, I want you to think about this. this. This is the most comforting, simplistic, beautiful song ever written. I see trees of green. Red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue, clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, Man, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? You know what they're really saying? I love you. I see babies cry. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than I'll ever know. And I'll think to myself, man, what a wonderful world. You ever thought that? Aren't those the good days? When you look over a scenic landscape and you think, man, this is beautiful. When you see an act of kindness and you're part of something that's amazing and helping people or whatever, and you think, man, I'm just, I'm just privileged to be here on the earth. It's a wonderful world. And then I want to provide the tension of we live in a world, oh, that is so much like heaven sometimes. But we live in a world that is so much like hell sometimes. And sometimes we are overwhelmed with the hellishness of the life that we're living, that it's hard to see the heavenish side. Even when, when uh, Louis Armstrong and George David Weiss wrote this song. It was in the 60s, in the middle of the Vietnam War. Violent protests breaking out all over America. This was the six-day war in Israel. You know, there's a war going on in Israel. There was a war going on in Israel when they wrote this song. It's like people were talking World War III. It was bad. And I wonder if they might have written this song just to kind of counter <laughs> What we were seeing in culture and around the world. That's just the reality that we live in. One minute we're saying, what a wonderful world. And the next minute we're thinking, what has this world come to? And this is the reality that we live in. This is the tension that we embrace as we walk with Jesus. We're living with one foot in hell and one foot in heaven. And we're trying to make sense of a world that's not quite yet what it's intended to be. And so suffering and death and depression and everything that we're facing, I want you to know that there is something better coming. And I want to read a quote about how our 
destination, if you will, is tied to our now. It's tied to our identity. If you've read the book Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, you will remember this quote. Hang with me. This is a really good one. He says, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses into something a little different than it was before. And taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature. Either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. To be the one kind of creature is heaven. That is joy, peace, knowledge, and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Each of us at each moment is progressing to one state or the other. Now, does our destination rely on what we do or don't do? No, it's based on the finished work of Jesus. But does our life indicate which path we are on? And the answer is yes. Jesus said, you will know by the fruit. And so I want to ask a question today. If heaven is the tangible reality of the goodness of God, and hell is everything absent from that, if you can taste the realities of heaven now and you can taste the realities of hell now, if you can walk the way of the kingdom now and you can walk the way of hell now, which road are you walking today? What is the fruit in your life? Because there is a fruit that comes from repentance. The fruit of our life does not determine where we go, but where we are headed determines the fruit of our lives. So salvation is possible through Jesus' sacrifice. You can't live your way into heaven. You can't earn your way into heaven. And there is coming a day where everything wrong will be made right and every sin and everything that is not holy will be dealt with. What side will you be on when that day comes? It's a choice to make today because the trajectory of your life is intrinsically tied to your destination. I can't head east and expect to go to Texas. Which direction are you heading? That might be an indication of where you're going. You with me? We need a sobering reality. And we need the good news and the hope of the gospel. And it is that all you have to do is accept the free gift that Jesus offers today. And if you've never done that, I don't know why you wouldn't. Let's stand and pray.
Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not two weeks from now, not two months from now, not when my kids get out of the house, not when things line up like I want them to. Today is the day of salvation. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, I wonder if there's anybody here today who would say, I don't really know Jesus, but I want to. Would you just slip your hand up? I've never made this decision to follow Christ. And if I'm honest, the road that I'm on and that I've been on for a while is not the right direction. To anybody here? I don't see any hands in the room. That's a really good thing. If you're being honest with yourself, that's a really good thing. Here's what I know as well. As easy as it is to forget the realities of eternity as we live our lives every day, I want you to think about the people that you do life with. You can't tell me everybody you know knows Jesus. I wonder how hard it would be today to call somebody up and invite them to church next Sunday. That's a really good first step to help your friend get on the right road if they're not. Am I right? I wonder how hard it would be to, to walk across and take some cookies to a neighbor and just start a conversation. I wonder how hard it would be to go one step further in that conversation you've all already been having with a family member or with a friend or with a coworker about where they'll spend eternity and whether they know Jesus or not. Lord, all over this room, would you give us our next step, whatever that is? Will you help us to live in light of eternity? Will you help us to live with the reality, yes, even of the fires of hell, but Lord, with the reality of the goodness, unbridled mercy and glory of your presence for eternity that we'll get to experience. May our lives indicate that that is our home. In the name of Jesus that we pray, amen, amen. All right, have you heard some good news today? It's good news. Don't forget it. May it mark our lives and our speech and our actions, living in light of eternity. All right. Love you guys. Have a great week. If you know somebody's going through something this holiday, invite them to church next Sunday. Give them some hope, okay? All right. Y'all have a great week. Love you. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.